Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide back with some updates. I'm still buzzing after yesterday's episode, which is arguably my favorite episode of all time so far, because Mr. Sagala's information was, I believe, excellent learning for me and hopefully for you. And you appreciated that episode. I can't promise frequency on guests on basic cryptonomics primarily because, as I said, most of the token providers don't want the smoke. If you are invested and you would like them to come on the show and you appreciated the way that my interview with Mr. Sagala went, I encourage you to let your tokens know. Let them know about the podcast. They can find us at CryptoTalkRadio.net, which is our site. At the top, there's a form that says be a guest on the show and encourage them to sign up to be a guest on the show. And hopefully they will listen to you, the investor, because technically you are their boss. If they want the smoke, that means that they want your credibility. They want your respect. Discourage them from going after shillers. Shillers do not benefit you. They benefit the shiller and they benefit the token. They don't benefit you, the investor. They should be willing to speak to neutral parties that are willing to just talk it through, understand the facts, understand the history, and give you more insight into the investments that you're doing. So please steer them as well as any friends and family who might benefit from our coverage to CryptoTalkRadio.net. If you have friends and family who would like to get into it, Basic Cryptonomics is available everywhere, and I encourage you to share the message as it helps us grow, and then hopefully more cryptos will eventually want the smoke. Let's get into our news today. First and foremost, Coinbase. If you are not in Coinbase, I understand why you might not be. However, if you are in Coinbase, you already know, just like I do, that Coinbase's fee structure is crap, and by which I mean they charge fees when you go to add cash to it or you buy crypto with your you know your debit card or your checking account they charge if it's checking account i don't believe they charge anymore they might still but the checking account has other issues because they put a hold basically they'll let you quote trade it as much as you care to but you can't cash them out well that doesn't mean you own them right they're they're not owned and i understand why they do it with checking account because of course with check 21 and check transactions that money's not really there yet. It doesn't really exist. And so what they're doing is they're trying to protect their own interest. I'm 100% with them. I just don't support it. So I usually use my debit card because it's, it's a faster way to get access to the crypto because often if I'm buying cryptocurrency directly in Coinbase, it is so that I can send it somewhere else, not so I can leave it there. Well, their fees are a joke. Sometimes you're charged, and it's a percentage of said, but it, there's minimums. Like the minimum at some points is like 2 or $3, which you're like, well, that's not a lot of money. But it, it is when you think about buying a, you know, $20 worth of crypto because you just need to get gas, right? You need to get BNB or Polygon. So you buy $20 worth of Algorand and you're going to send it to another exchange so that you can swap it to whatever gas and then send it to your wallet. Well, the problem is you got to think about it. If I'm charged $2 on $20, that's 10% I just got charged. Then to send it out is pretty darn cheap. If I use Algorand, it's nothing. It's like a couple pennies. But then I go to the exchange, and then I need to swap it to whatever I'm really trying to get that Coinbase doesn't support, and then I'm usually charged another fee. It's small, so it's usually about a couple of bucks, maybe a dollar or two. Then there's the send fee to send it out of that exchange into my wallet. If I use, in my case, if it's BNB, I'll use KuCoin, and KuCoin doesn't charge that much. Or I'll use Hotbit sometimes, but I usually use KuCoin for BNB. Well, then there's another fee to send it out, right? So this builds up. So I might be at 11 12% just to get this gas. And so it starts with the fees that Coinbase charges because theirs are 
clearly higher than almost everybody else. The only one that I can think of that's even higher, and it's not really their fee, it's their minimums, is Cointiger. Cointiger is a joke. Second would be Hotbit. Third would be Gate.io in that order from my experience. So people are starting to notice that the whole crypto industry basically circles, at least if you're in the United States and certain other countries, circles around Coinbase predominantly, and they kind of own the network. They kind of own the situation. They, they are the go-to as far as the traditional traders. So there are some upstarts, and they're getting some money built up to try to create some competition around this so that they can get in front of it. And you're thinking, well, you don't really have to go and you don't really have to deal with Coinbase. There's, coin, there's Crypto.com. The problem with Crypto.com is that they're mobile only. And, of course, they just got hacked, but primarily, I believe, because they're mobile only created them as a fancy target. So I refuse to do Crypto.com because I need a web interface because I'm doing multiple things. And I will not look at those graphs on a mobile screen. It's not sustainable. I need to have it on the computer. They need to have a web interface. You might say, well, there's Binance US. Binance US, we're now six months out, I believe, from when I first signed up with Binance US and I submitted my KYC, and they still haven't done it. So I th I'm pretty sure it's lost in emotion. Que sera, que sera, and it's never going to be found again. So that's fine. But I just said, you know, I'm not going to deal with Binance US because they're a joke. We can't do Binance.com. So that's out of the way. Webull's interface sucks for anything crypto, so that's out of the way. And I'm not going to give excessive amounts of KYC to an exchange that's not in the United States. Now, I could do things like a KuCoin, so I'm in KuCoin. KuCoin doesn't offer the debit card, which is the only reason I use Coinbase at this point, is to directly transact against the cryptocurrency, and then it gives me the tax form. They're the only ones that do that other than Bitfinex and Crypto.com. I have to look at Bitfinex. The, the challenge I face is that I've been with Coinbase for so long that then I'm going to be held hostage to the whole strong, you know, long-term customer bias, and then I might get blocked on other transactions. Whenever Crypto.com gets a freaking web interface, I'm there. I'll look at it, and I'll give it a fair shot. But until they do that, I refuse because, no, I need to be on the computer as normal people, normal adults would want to do as well. So these upstarts are trying to come in and say, you know what, you're charging 200 basis points on transactions. A basis point, of course, is 0.01% in, in what we're talking about. And they do charge significant fees. And it, when asked, they basically said, you know, you have to charge these fees in order to sustain the business and keep people, you know, employed. And, da, da, da. and it's true. But it also speaks to the fact that it's total contradiction to the intent of decentralized finance. And, of course, there are centralized exchanged however none of the other exchanges charge anywhere close to what they do so seeing some upstarts is exciting for me i want to see somebody disrupt it and say you know what we can do the same thing with the same tokens if not more in the same countries and we can offer you the debit card and everything you want to do and we'll simplify kyc and we'll do it to where we can get people to convert from coinbase i would love nothing more as long as they don't have disruptions in the way that they do it and they allow people to do it. Like Coinbase is the easiest to use. Uh, there's very little limitation in Coinbase. They, they hold fees for the high levels. But for your routine, the 80%, they'll leave you alone for the most part. There are some weird things with pricing. They did fix my issue with the weird balance thing. So I don't know how that self-fixed itself. But I told them it was an issue on their side. And eventually they got it fixed. So they've been pretty easy to deal with. Anybody that can come out and do better than that is, has got my vote. And I will be watching that very intently. Tether, there's Tether's getting more attention. Tether, of course, is uh, behind the 
Tether Network, and of course the USDT, which is the Tether Stablecoin, and Tether Gold, which I covered on a past episode, and others. There's a whole network around Tether. Tether has been getting increased attention. It's always had attention primarily because there was a belief that the USDT in particular had issues with essentially liquidity because, of course, USDT needs to be stable coin, and to be stable coin, it has to be pegged to actual fiat in the form of USD, the U.S. dollar. There's been a theory that Tether did not have or does not have enough in the fiat side in order to sustain where it's at. Well, if it doesn't have the fiat behind it, then it's not a true stable coin in the fiat equivalency, meaning that you can't trust that if I gave you 10,000 stable coins that you have $10,000 of USD equivalent behind it. So this has, been, this has been an ongoing thing. It's not new. The reason I'm raising it up recently is Bitfinex doesn't do business in the United States. So then because Bitfinex doesn't do business in the United States, Tether, basically Bitfinex was somehow aligned with this whole situation. And there were some investigations done from members of essentially Congress to try to figure out and get some answers to this. Tether has been less likely or less willing to be at a point where they can give the information that the government's hunting for. They're trying to get cleaner data around, okay, what the heck's going on with this stable coin? Do you have what you say you have or do you not? And it's never been a problem with USDC, but it's always been a problem with USDT. Bitfinex, of course, does not have U.S. jurisdiction. And since it doesn't have U.S. jurisdiction, and because they're aligned, basically Bitfinex gets banned. And then, of course, when they go digging to try to get this data, they're not getting the answers that they expect. As a result, there's just more scrutiny. In other words, to simplify what I just broke down, USD Tether is a very troubling asset because almost everything in the exchanges is pegged to it in some form. So when you want to go and sell through an exchange out from whatever crypto, USD Tether is almost always there in addition to Bitcoin and often Ethereum. But you rarely see USDC. You rarely see DAI. You rarely see BUSD unless you're on a different exchange where they have supported that. And it's usually PancakeSwap, which is not centralized. So because USDT is all over the place and because it's kind of one of the default expected ways to cash things out, there's an assumption that it's safe currency. And it may be, but the government, the United States government, to be clear, wants to try to vet it and review the data and make sure that the money's actually there. And they're essentially being blocked. So because they're being blocked, there's no way for anybody to get the answers that they want, which means that it's sketchy, which means that there could be risk. There's nothing we can do on the risk. And I do suspect that it's, it's I don't want to say non-issue, that's not fair, but I do think that it is, that it is less of a problem than what it's being presented as. And the reason I say that is because if there were an inherent issue with USD Tether, pretty much every exchange would crash, like literally all of them, with the exception of uh, even Coinbase Pro has USD Tether. I, I would suspect that it's it's an issue, but not to the degree that it would affect you immediately, I guess, to simplify that down. So we talked about musical NFTs at some point before, and uh, we talked about you know Nas releasing as an NFT, and then there was Kanye said, screw that, I'm not doing it, I want real things. We just got the first instance where there was 
what appears to be, we have no evidence, what appears to be scams around this musical NFT when the first announcements were made as inevitable. We knew that this would happen, but we didn't expect it this fast. But apparently what happened, this, this organization is called Hit Peace. And what they did is they started selling NFT music, but they were doing so without the artist's consent. In a past episode, I talked about the very convoluted way around you know, getting copyright for music. And I talked about why some episodes are on YouTube and some are not, and why I've resisted doing YouTube predominantly for basic cryptonomics because there's, there's a nightmare of research necessary to understand the, the creative rights. Cause you're talking about not just the artist, but also their management company. Sometimes the promoter, sometimes the distributor, sometimes then it's YouTube's pickiness where something isn't copywritten, but they, their tool still has a copy written. Like there's people that have free music out there and they said, no, it's free, go ahead and use it. And then YouTube puts a copyright claim out there and blocks it from view. And then you got to go back to the original person who has to then fight YouTube to free it up. It's a nightmare. And so because of this, the music part is going to be very sketchy. And I suspected that we would see problems trying to introduce this into the mainstream because of copyright. I figured that would be the thing that would hold it back. In this case, because it, they called it a scam because... This this person, this group claimed that they said, you know what, we figured we should be able to do this as long as we compensate the artist based on the sales, which is part of their model, and it wouldn't be that problem. And so they, as long as in their mind, as long as we were transparent, we said we're going to pay the artist based on this and then we'll take a little slice of the profits that it's cool. I want to be clear to you, if you were ever thinking about anything about this, make sure you understand Copyright is a different thing. Copyright is not about whether you paid them. Copyright is not about whether you gave them compensation. Copyright is not even about whether they're aware of it. You got to go through um, enormous amounts of research to fully understand how this all works and how to get all the rights and all clean. And the problem is that NFT is not part of that rule. So RIA, R-I-A-A, Recording Industry Association of America, and it's mostly America, you may remember them from the fiasco that was Napster and MP3s. That's where we're at now. And that's why I said that it's starting all over again. And we're going to have to go back and revisit what does copyright mean? Because this whole situation speaks to that same situation we had back then where something happens and we feel like it's a good idea at the time. The difference here is that Napster was distributing or allowing the distribution of, to be clear, mp3s and there was no compensation to the artist nor was there ever any attempt to compensate the artist and then they changed the tool where there was a compensation model to the artist and it still didn't matter you still had the problem of course now we take mp3s for granted they're everywhere right you can buy them anywhere initially sony created the thing and it had mp3 distribution but it had drm in there so you had to only use certain devices of course people created tools to hack them and then free the mp3s i think it was called free mp3 actually so no matter what, it's cyclical. We're always going to see that there's this, this outcry against the freedom of distribution and the potential duplication regardless and irrespective of compensation. It's not about compensating. The whole, this hit piece, dude, they didn't do enough due diligence to understand everything that was going on before they jumped into this. They just put it out there pretty much testing the waters and that was not the right thing to do. 
and it bit them in the tail. And of course, now they're they're backtracking a little bit, basically saying, "Look, we told them that they're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. We understand this is a problem, and we don't want to, you know, we don't want to cause any issues." Well, they're getting sued now, and so that's going to turn into a thing. We got to see how that all plays out. Now, let's talk about our internal news and. This, when I say internal news, I'm talking about news that is not specifically in the mainstream. It is something around the topic, something around that I've talked about, something around the past token, something around the podcast primarily. That's what I'm referring to when I say internal news, just to be clear. We were followed very recently by a senator, Senator Michael Rooley out of Ohio. Uh, and uh, just as a just as not right, we put a message on social media. I don't know the the message that specifically encouraged him to follow, but it looks like he follows a lot of people, predominantly because we follow another person, Thomas Massey, who we're very inspired by. On a separate note, but the 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 interesting thing on this uh, being followed by Senator Ruley, it caused us to to kind of just be clear because we said it on social media. We want to say it here. The podcast are based out of Nevada, not by will. We were by will, but there's a, it's changed. The society's changed. Everything's changed. Nevada is one of two states, the other one being Hawaii, where Robinhood refuses to allow certain, actually any crypto trading. Doesn't make any sense to us. So we dug a little deeper. And what we found, just not in crypto, but in general, what we found is that, yeah, Nevada isn't the place we want to be. So... You know, we don't know if Senator Ruley listened to the podcast or Mr. Massey listened to the podcast, but we'll say this. We're not in Nevada by desire. We're in Nevada by necessity at the point, and we would love to be anywhere else that is more receptive to cryptocurrency, that is more embracing of the freedom of cryptocurrency, but also the freedom to allow things like the podcast to thrive, that we can get the message out to more people, that we can educate more people about what's possible. You've heard me talk about the 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 goals and the aims of crypto that we should be focusing on that we're not and how it can help solve many problems around our country. You know, we could solve, we could actually use it to help solve poverty and hunger, the things that shouldn't be a thing, but they are a thing. We know that, and we can lessen reliance and dependency on the system with the power of cryptocurrency, but only if we educate people to use it right, only if we put smart regulation, only if we embrace it. I guess what I'm saying is that I don't know if they listen to the show, but if they do, if these are places where you advocate for those things, we would love to have a conversation so that we can share that message so everybody can hear it. But also, you know, any information or outreach to just help get the podcast in a place that's going to help us grow and thrive so that we can keep communicating the positive message about cryptocurrency because we believe in it. Just right now, it's out of necessity that we are here. But it's not by desire that we are here. It is, we have to be here for what it is. On another note, some updates. EarnHub, if you were not following, because you're, you're an adult and you don't follow social media, but if you bought into EarnHub, you took one of two stances. You either staked them or you, you just held them in a wallet. And at one point, you probably looked at your wallet and you realized that your EarnHub is worth near nothing. Probably has a few pennies but it's worth near nothing and you're wondering what the heck's going on. So I'm giving a side update to help benefit them because I know that it's a troubling situation, but apparently what was reported and they gave pretty comprehensive documentation about what happened, but I gave some speculation on a different, you know, thing where I was thinking about it. So what they described is that they put 
if you were if you were not in EarnHub from before, from before, EarnHub used to be Safe Earn. Safe Earn had a model where you could earn Safe Moon, and then they changed it to EarnHub so they could introduce AnyFlect, which was this supposed to be this new contract. It's innovative. Nobody's done this before, and at the time, that's true. And you can basically reflect in any cryptocurrency that you want, but they also have staking. So you can stake in the pool and you can get other tokens that way. So you can stake, let's say, you know, EverRise, right? It, which is one of the recent pools, but you could also anyflect that same EverRise. So you could stack or compound your reflections. Well, this launch went very bumpy. They had an initial issue with the liquidity where I think somebody literally sniped as they call it the liquidity up front and there were problems doing that and then they had to relaunch they finally got it settled they released the dow vote and they basically left to everybody and said you know tell us what we need to do for the launch so that we can mitigate more of this damage pretty much i don't want to say unanimous but pretty much everybody voted to say that we'll lock everything down we're not going to open up the liquidity we're going to not allow trading initially and we'll do a vesting and the vesting will basically mitigate the negative price disruption because it'll drip out your stake tokens that were from the migration back to you and then you have to hold a certain amount of greater in order to keep your apr so it was a very apy it was a very complex move to try to keep whales from just dumping because the migration from safe earn to earn hub and then the disruption within the migration was so painful the fear was that people were going to just immediately dump which that happens to a lot of tokens and there were a lot of whales so they do this and then it goes live and the price immediately starts jumping. And then, you know, from mine, it was like 9x, 10x from my initial investment. It was a lot. It was a lot of jump, but it was locked. You can't sell it. You can't do anything. So everybody's like, cool, this helps keep us protected. And then the vesting should help keep protected. Well, what happens? The price just starts dropping mysteriously. It drops all the way back down, I think even lower than the price I bought in at, if I recall. So, People are like, okay, that means that you must have had some significant whales because they must have had some pretty big bags in order to have this much effect given that we have the vesting in place and that should have stopped them from being able to sell, right? So then price goes down, down, down. It's, you know, there's, there's spikes, but it's not sustained. We're, we're just going down, 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 and people are buying dips because that's what they're told to do. They release new pools and people stake in the pools because you can stake and earn more earn hubs. So now they're staking and they're doing any flecked and earn hub to increase the bag without additional investment. So this all makes sense. They do another DAO and they say, give us the new pools that you want. And one was step, which I'd never heard of, uh, Erverize and another one. So then people, these, these launch, they vote for those, they launch and then people stake their tokens in this. I believe it was yesterday I look at the wallet and I notice earn hub prices tanked. And I'm like, okay, well, I didn't have a lot in there because weeks ago, in all disclosure, because I had earn hub from the safe earn transition, and I had a decent, it wasn't whale bag, it wasn't super large, it was a decent bag. And I watched the transition, I watched the price movement because I did it to evaluate on the show. And I said that the Anyflect is buggy, it's got some issues, and they need to fix these issues. And I wouldn't recommend that you go all in on this thing yet till they fix this because it felt like garbage frankly they did some tweaks they did some fixes any flex still wasn't working to optimal degree and i tried staking the staking would only pay me like once every two or three days so it doesn't work for me brother and so i said okay let me go ahead and just you know withdraw from the staking i'll sit it in the wallet take the any flex. well then the any flex is only coming back every two or three days at this point i'm like okay this is not worth my time as an investor so I'm going to just go ahead and sell the vast majority of my bag. And I sold a pretty good amount. It wouldn't have had an impact on the graph, but 
of what I had, it's probably 98% of what I had. So I had a little bit that I'm still sitting on. And then, of course, my vest is still in there. Collectively, it's roughly about, let's say, three times what I bought in in the initial. But it's small compared to the the buying the dip. Because I had bought, it prior to the move to EarnHub, I had bought significant off the dip to kind of see where this would go. And then I sold out the vast majority when I saw that the, what they said did not come to fruition. As I said before, if the if what you promised does not come to pass, I'm not, I'm not going to stay there because that's my strategy. Didn't mean in this case that I didn't figure it would get fixed long term, but I was not going to leave my money there because I can't, your, your any flight doesn't work the way it's supposed to and it's crap. Your staking works, but it's so intermittent, it's not worth it. And then on top of this, they charge you gas of like $5 every time you stake or every time you claim. Okay, that builds up. And so it's like, okay, I can't justify it. So I'm just going to withdraw like 98% of my deal and sell it which is what I did. So I have a very, very tiny, especially now, very tiny stake in EarnHub still left. I wanted to make sure I give you the story because that goes to what some of other people might, this is the thought process when you get into projects like this and risk management, how to mitigate loss. It's you didn't perform the way you told me. So I'm going to sell the vast majority of my bag. I'll still leave a little because you might pull it out. And then at that point I'd buy back in. So all this happens and then, so I'm out. I, I'm, not, I'm not staked and I have a very small stake. So my risk is small. My risk vector is small. I see that the thing tanks and it drops and it, you know, as far as a dollar amount, I might've lost, you know, probably 50 cents. Like that's, that's how small my bag is. <laughs> so, okay, I, I see that. I log into social media and I see that, okay, there's, there's a problem. There's a lot of people frustrated at EarnHub account to their credit announced. They said apparently that somebody hacked the smart contract and the smart contract is the one that deals with their staking pools and they were able to basically drain the liquidity out of the staking pools. Well, the vast majority of people, as I said, had staked their EarnHub because there was nothing else to do with it. You know, the Anyflect is what it is, but there's, that was the whole benefit was the staking and compounding. So they, the vast majority of people, I think the vast majority of investors had staked their earn hub so it's gold right so somebody allegedly hacks in this thing and drains the liquidity they put out a very comprehensive detailed incident report and i i thought it was amazing the way they did it i've never seen another token outside of bitcoin or ethereum do this but it was a very detailed report and it broke down essentially there's a function in the contract that they exploited and then they were able to drain it by continually calling this thing and they didn't expect it. And then the, the big problem is that their team didn't realize that the anti-whale that was built into the contract for EarnHub could have been used to stop the loss. They didn't realize it till it was too late. So they didn't get all the liquidity, but they got the, a pretty good chunk of it. And so people's to tokens are worth nothing. So then they spin up this emergency deal in Telegram, which of course I can't stand. Telegram, deep, deep, deep. can't stand it, but it, it is what it is to talk about what's going on. The devs were there and, and talking about, you know, we think, well, we have a plan moving forward. And then they decided to do a poll and they didn't want to do the DAO, the existing DAO mechanism, because the problem is, is that if people, like if whales bought bags, right, they're going to immediately have the vote. They're going to immediately have the majority vote. I said, don't use that mechanism. Just use that same tool on your own site and just put a simple poll. And they didn't do it. One wallet, one vote, and they ignored me. So, 
they initially, they eventually, not initially, they eventually locked out the whole telegram so that other people could not join. And apparently what I was told from Discord is that they were voting on the next course of action. The choices that I saw on Discord that somebody was kind enough to copy across, I think all of the choices were crap. And I don't, I don't know. Ultimately, I don't think anybody is going to get any of their value back. That's my theory. I could be wrong, but I don't think it's going to come back anytime soon. People online are calling it a rug pull. I'm not at that point of calling it a rug pull yet. However, I am saying that it is from what I can tell, and this is my auditor slash technology hat coming on. The way that this exploit happened as described in the Medium document, apparently they called back one of the team members that the initial devs had, had screwed over and voted him out. They called him back to help them, or he called them, I don't know. And he was the one that put this together. Well, the speed with which this was put together is a bit sketchy. Let me tell you what I mean in audit terms. The code and the function that was called and was allegedly exploited, to me, the only way you would have known to be able to do that is if you had inside knowledge about the way that function works and the ability to exploit. Now, I'm giving my opinions here because it's ultimately up to you and other people are going to squawk and say I'm a tinfoil, but the truth is that function is a very obscure function. And to know that you can exploit it in the way that it was alleged, to me, feels like an inside job. I don't know if it was. I'm saying it feels like it was. And it feels like possibly somebody disgruntled, somebody that wanted to make a statement, somebody possibly that did not agree with the mechanics of how this was done and wanted to send a message that, you know, either you need me or you did this wrong and I told you or something else. So all this liquidity goes out, goes through Tornado Cash, because of course it's Binance. So I don't believe there's going to be a way to get the money back. Of course, they're still banting it about as far as I know. The telegram is still completely locked out. People aren't up in arms and people believe that it's been a blatant rug pull. And of course I can't, I don't at this point subscribe to it. I'm saying that from my analysis, this to me feels like an internal inside job. It feels like somebody in the know coordinated this specifically and got this to the point where it now is i have no evidence at all i do think that i do think that there's a little bit more to it and i will share what i know right here the chatter at least through discord is that they're going to relaunch another token of course this would be number four i believe because i think safe earn had a relaunch and then they moved to earn hub and then they had to do it again and then now this one that's what i'm hearing i don't know if it's a thing there's you know, the narrative about a rug pull, I don't subscribe to it for one reason. If they they were sitting during the migration, the earn hub, they were sitting on millions and millions of dollars and they easily could have rugged at that point and they didn't. I don't think this is a rug pull. I am saying that my read of it is this has to be an inside job and it feels like somebody who wanted to send a message. It feels like somebody who either was involved with the code or involved with the project in some other way other than code that was trying to I like it feels like somebody that would have said, you know what? I told you, I told you, do, do, do. That's what it feels like to me. It doesn't feel like a rug pull in definition. It feels like an inside job where somebody was trying to send a message. The tornado cash though makes it a little bit sketchy because, well, I mean, I guess it could still be the same thing, but there was not that much money taken. And you're like, well, but if they took, if they drained it because the value had tanked, because people had sold out, the whales had sold after this evacuation, after the migration rather that they had sold off. And so the value was gone. So there wasn't much to sell. And then they eventually caught on that, hey, we got a thing. And they had anti-whale 
to kind of slow that that drip. But they eventually caught it, but they didn't get significant amounts of money. It was like, you know, six figures or something. It wasn't a lot of money, comparatively speaking. But they're talking about, you know, launch a new token. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know that they're going to have the trust. I don't know that they're going to have anything to show for it. And again, I don't have access to wherever the heck they are chatting about this personally. So I can't see what they're talking about. I'm only sharing the information that I see from the uh, Discord where they're kind enough to kind of reiterate certain outpoints of this. But yes, that's Earn Hub. So if you're in it, that's what, what happened. There's a lot to it. Um, there's a lot to it. And I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know where it's going to end up. And the loss of trust is significant. You know what it reminds me of? Floki V2. That's what it reminds me of. Um, the where you know when Floki V1 it truly was a rug pull and Floki V2 was gross incompetence. <laughs> so and and then I think Safe Moon had a hack, but nothing like this. I, I this reminds me of Floki V2. So that's that's what I think here. And yeah, so apparently the poll's still going. Apparently they're doing apparently, but I can't see it because whatever room I'm in does not have the polls that they're talking about. So, and I can't see the room name because Telegram sucks. So I can't give you any additional information other than where we are in, oh, actually this might link work, maybe. Yeah, they did a poll bot. Oh, no, wait a minute, start. Let's see, is this the garbage? Yes, it is, all right. So I'll check this poll out and see what the options are. Distribute all remaining Binance to all the holders proportionally, which I think is a bad idea because what do you mean by proportion? If you mean by the number of tokens, that means that those whales are going to get enriched. I, I don't think that's the right idea. I think it should be even, like it should be equal distribution, not proportional, because we don't know how many tokens each person has. Launch a new token, and then just do the reflections, any fly, any flect, and then airdrop the new token. I think that sucks. I don't think that's the right thing. Or unlock it and move on. You know, as somebody in it, I, to me, I think that the biggest, the best answer is just to stop it and move on. And I know that sounds kind of what, but the truth is the loss of trust and the loss of, of value and the loss of respect is going to harm the token more than anything else. I don't know that they're going to be able, like if they do a new token, we, it's not even that it happens again, but you're rebuilding from scratch and then you're doing an airdrop again and then it's going to take again and then because of the loss of trust nobody's going to want to buy in the whales are already gone like you see what i'm saying so i think it's it's sending garbage distribute bnb and just cash out basically i okay <laughs> okay but it, you know half of nothing is still nothing right um i don't know that's my opinion so anyway that's earn hub i just put my vote in telling them you know Let's just move on. That's my opinion. So next one up on the list, Atama. I've ignored, not ignored, that's not fair, but I've refused to cover Satama heavily because unfortunately Satama has not been inclined to be transparent even now. Uh, there's a funny update from Tom Nationwide, aka Believes, about the the tone deafness of Russ and I've I've mostly ignored all that because I realize that no matter what, they're just not going to they're not going to have they're not going to be more than what they are. That they, they can't. It's not within them to do it. They will never acknowledge their own screw ups. So I've I've hesitated talking about it. 
it still has not recovered. For as I can tell, Cytomass still isn't working full throttle. I was able to get in once I figured out that their two-factor sucks, and you basically cannot use the professional email accounts from like Outlook, for example, because Microsoft is treating it like spam because their service that they chose to use instead of reputable services is a known scammer spammer service. So that's if you're using Outlook.com, that's why you can't get into the darn thing. And I would recommend that you, you know, bite the bullet and set up a Yahoo or a Gmail account just for the purposes of this and realize you're going to get spammed. But you can set it up just for this and then move on. Um, so that's that was the one thing. And I haven't touched it since because, again, it's not uh, to me, it's not done. It's not ready. And, of course, the contrast is the documentation the EarnHub team put out, regardless of how severe the issue was, because it was, that documentation is perfect, and that's what we wanted to see from Satama, and we don't. So if you are in both, I would encourage you to look at the EarnHub documentation on their Medium, earnhub.medium.com, so you can see what it's supposed to be doing. And you'll see, okay, why can't Satama do this when they say there's a DDoS attack? Give us all the points of all that. They were not going to do it, but I'm saying that they could, which is why we advocate for such things, and they just refuse to do it. The last one that I'll follow back on is SHIB, the Shiba Inu ecosystem. Not all, not just SHIB, but all of them. SHIB is still on a minor bull run. It still hasn't hit the original all-time high, but it is trending upward. Bone has been trending upward. If you missed my past two or three episodes where I was telling you that it felt like people were stockpiling bone and I think it's going to take off again, I'm, I'm sorry because I, I was telling you in that case that there's no reason this should not go right back up to minimum where it was before. To reflect on where it got in kind of its middle tier, it was about a dollar, two dollars. It's close to a dollar now. At its peak, it was about forty dollars. Because it's basically that key token to the whole Shibarium, and because there was an announcement about Shibarium recently, it means people are basically fomoing in to rush to get bone. But there were always people stockpiling it off to the side. We saw volume numbers jumping on this thing. So I had a sense that it makes sense to potentially consider bone added to your portfolio because at 50 cents per, like, dude, if that thing went to $2, you could make a pretty good profit, even if you didn't want to stay in Shibarium. So now that's up and then leash is way up. I think it went as far down recently as like $600 and it's doubled already. I've never bought in the leash ecosystem because I think that the team has not done a good job of telling me what the purpose of leash is even now. So I've not bought into it. However, it's something at least to look at and see if it makes sense for your portfolio. So that's our three for today. Let's get into our underdog token and wrap this up. And just FYI, uh, the reason I'm doing the episode early is because on our other podcast, Gentleman's World, it is going to have its first guest scheduled today here in two and a half hours. So I will need to prepare for that one. That's going to be a different conversation. That guest has some insight that may spill over into crypto. If that turns out to be the case, then we will do on tomorrow's basic cryptonomics episode. We will have, you'll hear snippets of that coverage because I want to be basically duplicating some of that audio into the episode if it turns out that the conversation goes that way. So you'll get to hear another guest talking about cryptocurrency, you know, fresh off the heels of Mr. Sagala. But as I said, there will not be, as far as I can tell, with a lot of tokens not wanting to smoke, I can't promise a recurrency or any schedule around guests on basic cryptonomics the current goal is to have at least one guest per week on gentleman's world so if you're the one that likes podcasts with guests i would recommend you check out cryptotalkradio.net check out gentleman's world because i am starting that now i've already got 
two guests booked on Gentleman's World. I've got another one that expressed interest there, and hopefully I can get her on the show. And then I've got three others that have invites out and I'm pending and I'm checking on. Now, our underdog token. The name of this one, uh, I like it because it speaks to the current sentiment of things. This token is not really that popular, although it has a decent amount of holders. It has twice the holders of pairing use. That tells you something. And how this came to my attention, again, any printer, which I highly recommend, I was in any printer and any printer offered this one on the Binance Smart Chain as a reward. It's called OK Let's Go, OKLG. Once again, that's on the Binance Smart Chain. It also is on the Ethereum. So if you're on Ethereum, you prefer it that way, you can get it there. This one was interesting to me, not just from the utility, although that's something I was looking at. But the way that they describe what they're trying to do, they, they, they put a vision out there that basically says they want to bring everybody together. We, we know that in cryptocurrency, there's a diverse set of opinions around why people trade, what they trade, and what their thought process is, whether you're in memes or you're in traditionals or whatever. You like centralized exchanges, but you don't like certain things. You like DSIM, but you don't like certain limitations. So they basically said, we want to bring all that together. We want to bring it all into one thing as kind of a communal approach to cryptocurrency, memes, cultures, communities, utilities, so that everybody, no matter what level you're at, can get involved in this and lower barriers to entry to get into crypto. Well, that was appealing to me. When I took it as a reward, it wasn't something that I had investigated deep, but I, I liked that. If you're aware of like Elk Finance, I covered them. Also, Ever... EverRise has a, has a similar tool. There's tools now coming up where you can basically do cross-chain swaps. And some of these are, like with Elk Finance, I think they're, they're, they take a couple steps, but it basically is an easy way to get tokens from different networks across different networks. So they're, they built a service that lets you do that called Atomic Swap as a service, what they called it. They also have farming that they're working on. And when you go into their tools, there's a very, these are very well-built tools. Like if I look at the way that they, the time that they took building these things, it's, it's clear that there was a lot of care and consideration to these tools in the design and the structure and the strategy and everything else. So there's the farming. So you can farm different on the, on the different type tokens. There's a password manager, which if you know about, you know, LastPass, KeyPass, et cetera, that's, that's a known thing. It's, I wouldn't say it's a known problem that, that anybody needed to solve, but having more answers versus less is important. And the only thing that I, that I have concerns on that one would be that blockchain by its nature is public. And so when you take and you are creating a password manager in the public space, of course, there has to be a lot more in the encryption and the security in order to make that robust. And it seems like that they've done a decent job of doing that, being able to encode the credentials and secure them. I would just have concerns on the, the algorithms and everything else, which I, I'm not going to dig into on this call. I'm saying that that would be my only concern is not the doing of it, but the audit, basically what audit has happened around that specifically. Other things like blockchain file storage. If you didn't know, like right now, there there's a protocol, it's called IPFS, and it powers pretty much the blockchain as a decentralized way of exchanging information. Well, you can store files on this thing. You can store videos, images, zips, anything. And then what it does is it 
can render this using the browser, but it doesn't need to use the, the internet as we know it. So the, this, is a, this is something you can do today. This is something they offer. What they're trying to do is they're trying to inform you that these things are possible so that it exposes you to the future potential of what they call Web3. Code storage, GitHub is kind of the go-to, but GitHub is a centralized repository. This one's talking about using a decentralized, basically in the blockchain itself, and the way that would potentially work is that it's stored and then it's duplicated in bits and, and parts in across different you know machines that are running the blockchain nodes so that you know there's no it's not stored in one place. You can always access it regardless. If one node goes down, you can access it as a backup. Well, GitHub has redundancy by way of load balancing, but it doesn't have this level of accessibility. So for example, on my machine, I had I was listing videos. I would put a video there, and then I would take the IPFS link, and then I could share it on certain forums, and then now they can access the video regardless of whether my computer is running or not, and I don't have to consume cloud storage. That's a cool concept. Of course, it relies on the nodes, so if the nodes aren't there, it wouldn't necessarily work. They also are building tools to support airdrops when they need to happen, and to the person that I was responding to, that had concerns about airdrops, this is what I'm talking about. That airdrop concept becomes a marketing tool. It becomes a strategy that they're using. It's not going to go away. It's, it's only going to get worse where it gets better. Then they were talking about things like being able to use the blockchain to document what you need to file your taxes. This is something people have talked about doing, but nobody's ever actually created the application to do this. It's all in this tool that I was talking about before that's well built that they wanted to be able to give you a way to, by using the blockchain, to document all the transactions that you would need in order to file your taxes correctly and safely. So I, I was very impressed with the way that the thought that was put into this. And there's very few tools that have put this much time and thought into it. Now, I want to talk about some things on the flip side that I, they're not negatives per se, but they're things I'd like to see fixed. Before I go too deep into it quickly on the tokenomics, the total supply is, I want to say it's $420 billion on total supply. And 1% reflections goes out to when you hold it. And again, if you're on any printer, you can claim it in any printer. So you can buy in any printer, which I recommend because it's a good token if it makes sense for you. It's a good token because not just because it gives you access to these, re these reflection options, but also because as the token itself, they're a pretty good community. They're communicative. They're willing to take feedback. I've covered them on the past episode. Check that out. But you, if you're not comfortable buying directly into OK, let's go, you can do any printer and then reflect it as OKLG. I would say EarnHub, but of course, I can't trust them right now. There's a 5% of the tax that goes to their, their marketing and development. And it's obvious where the development's going because their dashboard is so well done that it's, it's, it's not even close. Now, when I looked at their white paper that they have, the white paper is essentially a slide deck, which bothers me a little bit but it is what it is and they the information this is one of the things that bothers me the information that's given is very generic i understand why it's this way because a lot of businesses do this i just don't think it applies in a crypto world like this is more of a sales type of you know pitch something that a salesperson would take on the road and show up to a bunch of execs in a room and then talk around it i don't think that's what we should be doing i don't think we should be using you know, generic images and generic words. And they, they, they talk a little bit about kind of the, what they're going to want to do, but it doesn't give me any meat and bones about the things. Like all the things that they're talking about, I just described on the site are kind of 
dumped into one of these slides, one or two of these slides. And the high level doesn't tell me enough about the people. You know, who are the people behind this team? What is your vision, the real vision, uh, you know, behind what you described on the site? The nuts and bolts about how you plan to make things happen. But most importantly, just why, what, what got you into this? What inspired you to do this? And how did we get to the point that we got where it's a very impressive thing? They are focusing on NFTs, which disappoints me because I, I wish they wouldn't do that, but I understand it's the current fad. But I, my biggest thing has always only ever been just I want to make sure that we are not we are not just leaping to you know certain things like the, the white paper being a sales pitch or you know NFTs. We're not focusing on the popular things. I want you to focus on what is going to really get investors, which I think the white paper does not do a good enough job of doing. It seemed like they relied on the website to kind of sell it. I understand, but I think your white paper needs to be more robust. That's the main thing. The NFTs is, is a not a problem, but it's a concern because I don't want to see the focus of the Me Too. Let me just jump on the bandwagon. I don't like that myself. Personal opinion. Make up your own mind. So that's okay, let's go. Again, it's on the Binance chain as well as the Ethereum chain. I like the project. I just I, I just think there's more that they could be sharing and disclosing because you got a solid product here. I, I want more though. I want your white paper. Your white paper needs to be a white paper, not a sales pitch, which is what it looks like to me. And it looks like this has been edited multiple times, but I, I'm not impressed by the white paper hardly at all. It doesn't tell me enough about the, the the people behind the project and the team and everything else. I do love your app. I love the dashboard. I think it's amazing. I think it's kind of the model for what I'd like to see in other type services. Uh, I don't have any issues on that one. Maybe the assumption that it's going to connect to a wallet, but I understand why you did that, so I'm not going to hold it against you. The biggest thing to me is just get the white paper cleaned up and fixed where it's an actual white paper and not a sales pitch. That'd be number one. And then number two, when I look at the what you're trying to do as far as the, you know, the, the decentralized um, uh, blockchain for tax and the password manager and everything else, I like the concept of what you're doing. I like what you're describing. I love all the information. It's fantastic. None of this information is in your white paper, which tells me that your white paper is insufficient. So it all goes back to the white paper. That's like the number one thing that stands out is what I want to see fixed. Anyhow, if you want to check them out, that's OKLG.io. I do highly recommend it. I think they have a compelling case here. And again, they have twice the followers, uh, holders rather, of Parainu. So they're doing something right because, uh, you know, it, it's not close. Like OKLG's utility is stronger than Parainu, but Parainu's potential to me is more obvious than OKLG. Like if that makes sense, like Parainu is obvious because you're basically everybody in the military should be on this thing. OKLG is not obvious, but it's it's stronger in how many utilities and how well it's built in the use case over time. So I would consider OKLG a long play, is what I'm saying. Paraemu should have already skyrocketed and it didn't. OKLG is more like a long play as people start to embrace a lot of this. Like a lot of these are things that are new to crypto. That they're not widespread, they're not widely adopted, they're not widely understood. So I understand, but the fact that they've gotten as many holders as they have by now tells me that they're in it for the long haul, and that's good. I do think they need to show some faces, and they need to put themselves out there. The last thing I would call out that I don't see, I'm assuming it's a thing, but I don't see it, and so I'm calling it out because there's a section that calls out a snippet of code, and it talks about the rewards for the interfaces. 
that's good, but I don't see that there's an audit around the code anywhere in the list, and I don't see it on the roadmap. I don't see an intent to get it done on the roadmap unless I'm missing it, but I'm not seeing it. I must assume that there had to have been an audit primarily because of the way that the dashboard works as well as some of the partnerships they have. However, I'm not seeing it. So my, my feedback also would be, I'm assuming there's an audit. If there's an audit, it should be on your site somewhere as to find it. I'm not going to go hunt for it, and nor should any investor. I think you should need to make it promoted on your website that you are audited fully. If you're not audited, I would question why. Because to release tools like this, especially when you're starting to talk about taxes and password security and file security, I think it's almost required. OKLG.io, check it out, see if it makes sense for you. That's all I got for you today. Again, I'm going to be spinning over to Gentleman's World here in about an hour and a half so that I can talk to my guest, or two and a half hours, so I can talk to my guest, and hopefully that's going to be a, a cadence and a recurrent thing, and then check in on future guests for Gentleman's World. I cannot promise future guests for basic cryptonomics until those tokens want to smoke, but I do enjoy, hopefully it was clear that I enjoy talking to guests. I think it's good just getting them on the show and realizing that I don't script. I don't need to, because... As long as I can get the right guest and we can bounce off each other, I think it comes across as a better conversation. And hopefully we can have more guests on the show that are that want that smoke. Until then, I will check in with you probably tomorrow, unless there's something significant that happens with one of these tokens that's I think it's worth an outer cycle update. Like uh Earnhub is something new I heard or learned. I will cover those. Other than that, I will check in with you tomorrow. Take care. Please do share the CryptoTalkRadio.net for anybody who thinks this is good information and good cadence or any of your token projects that you want to have on the show with a similar coverage because we love to talk to them. <laughs>